Striking While the Iron's Hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Now we'll get into the show. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and joining me tonight are two familiar faces. We've got Adri. How are you doing tonight, Adri? Hi, everyone. Hi, Chris. Hi, Alicia. Uh, and also joining us uh, is Alicia. Alicia, how are you doing? Uh, you know, morning a loss from Sunday night, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> right on. Yeah, and so... Uh, here we are, season two of, of the podcast. Um, definitely seems like a long time since we last were recording. You know, obviously, you know, our season didn't go too too well, right? Our boys played into the play-in round of the playoffs and then ultimately lost uh, to the Sacramento Republic. Um, what did you guys do, like, during the off-season um, how did you guys spend your time? Uh, during the off season, I mostly spend my time uh, going to school and uh, working. And um, for sports, you know, football was on, so I watched my 49ers play. Sadly, they lost in the Super Bowl. We should have won, but, you know, it's uh, next season. We have – I'm pretty confident about next season. <laughs> Man, speaking of the 49ers, um, you know, the, it's like Alicia spoke that into a, in, into existence because, and, and I guess that's the same thing that Mahomes is doing with winning games, right? But but I guess, like, you know, we were really hating on the 49ers during a lot of the soccer season, and somehow they, like, prevailed. And, uh, you know, I am sorry that your, your 49ers didn't win. Yeah. Um, I did start pulling for them at some point. Um but, hey, I mean, that's why they play the game. They went hard, right? I know. Supposedly, we never played a real team. But, you know, just keep the same energy. Wait till next year. Did you catch the Super Bowl, Adri? Yes, I did. But I'm mainly there for the halftime. Oh. <laughs> but I um, I watch a little bit. Um, my thing is soccer, like, like you know. So I spend my time... Uh, mainly keeping track of all the big announcements that we had on social media. Um, I also spend my time, obviously, you know, I was off-season myself since I run a women's soccer team, so we were off, so we took a little break there too, but there's always something going on in the league, so we joined a winter uh, season as well, which is still going. So that kept me uh, really busy, and just between my full-time job and many other activities we had going on, it's just like nonstop, man. We were just uh, waiting for, you know, New Year and, you know, to hear the the news on, you know, our local team United, and the season's coming sooner than we thought. So I'm excited about that, and it's uh, it's going to be a very interesting one. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, when the season ended, it was like trying to find other things. I mean, I did pick up watching English Premier Soccer for the most part. Um, that's where I spent most of my time watching Manchester United and getting dissed by Alicia. Um, you know, 
And then I, I tried to watch a little bit of the NFL, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, I was a big NFL head before soccer, and after watching soccer, it just doesn't hit me the same way. It's like, yeah, I want them to just keep that clock running. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's crazy that it's so stop and go. Like, it's, but it's just totally, like, thwarted my whole, like, sense of reality, like, watching watching NFL is like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over this one. Um, and I really hadn't watched any other sports. I mean, I was watching hockey for a little bit too, but again, like soccer is this, it's like this, like, it's like this, like new girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like soccer, it was like, like it's like this analogy of like a new girl. Like I'm talking to this, this girl named soccer and I'm like, oh man, like trying to get to know you and trying to know all these terms, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, NFL comes in as kind of like the X-Fling, and you're like, nah, dude, like, I'm talking to soccer. So, you know, it's just me, I guess, kind of likening the fact that that soccer just kind of pulled me in, you know, for the most part. And, I mean, I know that with our new team, like, you know, with you two watching soccer already, like, I'm sure it pulled you in as well, just nonstop, right? Yeah, definitely. When I heard that we were getting a professional team, I'm going to be honest here, and I hope I don't get dragged for this, but kind of made fun of it like like uh didn't really think we were gonna be good because you know how usually new mexico sports are we're like the worst at everything and i wanted to give it a shot and i went to opening night and that's when i was like okay this is something different and i'm into this and i just kept going and going and it just really grew my love for soccer even more and at one point i like just looked at the fields and i was like wow i really do miss playing i should probably go back into it right on so when you heard of united soccer league adrian like what did you think that was about did you know already already know about the united soccer league or well i i heard um you know getting a professional team in our state i and i tell this to everyone as a big soccer fan I didn't know how many people are on the same page as us. And I didn't know how many people are soccer lovers. And after that first game, I said, we are big in the state. And uh, just seeing the response and everybody coming to the first game and, and so on, it was just amazing seeing you know the whole state coming together to cheer and I said at first I said you know it might might not work I have my doubts but I said once I saw the first game and you know everyone you know getting really into it really excited buying the gear so I said you know this is gonna this is gonna work and this is gonna grow and that's where we are now and I'm glad yeah I I do agree with you on that like when I heard that we were getting a pro soccer team, you know, I thought, my first thought was, oh, MLS, cool, we're getting an MLS team, like, mm-hmm. this is great, you know, because, you know, for the time that I've lived here, most people were like, oh, we need a pro team here, we need a pro team here, and, you know, and of course this area seems to be real big for, like, Lobo football, and, yeah. you know, and then of course the basketball team was doing well, and and so I thought, okay, MLS, and then it's like, USL, and I'm like, okay, what's this, like, you know, this like... It's like that one thing in your refrigerator. It's yeah. like it's not quite sunny D. It's like this orange stuff. It's like the imitation. And I thought, okay, like how legit is the USL? You know. So then when I started looking at these other teams, I mean, of course, it's like a world outside of our own. I mean, yeah. I've never really heard of any of the other teams. 
you know, it wasn't like I was watching it before. I mean, that would be great if I was, but I wasn't. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's check this out. You know, apparently it's the second tier of American soccer pyramid. So I was like, okay, well, you know, it's not necessarily MLS. You know, it didn't have any connection to MLS, you know, as far as I knew. Um, so I was like, all right, well, let's watch it and see what's, what it's about. And, you know, really leading up to the first match, it was like, I was really particular about, like, watching how they presented things because, like, they really seemed to put a lot of the weight on the local guy, Devin Sandoval. Yeah. You know, it seemed like he was, like, kind of like the, the anchor to a lot of their promotion. And, you know, as the ads started going up around the city, you know, all the black and yellow, and, you know, that was cool. And, of course, I came in on the tail end of when they were, like, naming the team, so all these people were suge- suggesting different names, like like uh, New Mexico United FC and, and, and FC New Mexico and all these different names that were coming out there. And I thought, okay, cool, like, you know, and I saw the owner, uh, Peter, was kind of really welcoming the suggestion so i thought okay this guy's like really like kind of down to earth it seems like you know this thing is isn't too you know huge level where it's like you have this owner and then all the people are like so far beneath you know what i mean like there's actually some sort of line of communication so and then of course like we went to open opening night and i thought all right cool like this is this is a thing you know um you know i literally it, bought my ticket a week before and i said okay <laughs> let's go Let's check it out. So I wasn't, you know, as as I said, I wasn't, I, I wasn't too sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's how I was. My family and I, we were out for dinner, and uh, two nights before we bought our tickets, and we were like, mm, well, let's go, let's see, since we all love soccer, and it's not only growing in the state, but thanks to this team, it has brought my family even closer together because how much we love the sport. We, um, my brother and his wife, we all became season ticket holders. It was like, oh, well, let's do it. And that, that was great to see how all of us are now really interacting with it. And my nephew playing soccer, he's like, well, like maybe I like do have a chance being from here and being playing professional soccer someday. Yeah, I think that's definitely cool. I mean, that's one thing that was real attractive about this team or initially is that there are so many local, so many players that were, like, from New Mexico on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin, uh, Chris Weehan went to school here, but it's from Orange County. But he went to yeah. New Mexico. Um, Josh Goss, right? Yes. Uh, Justin Schmidt grew up here. And Suggs grew up here, too. Right, right. So, I mean, it definitely, that was very cool to see how they really reached in, like, the local, um, you know, uh, pool here as well. And then... I guess the other thing too is just how everything has been very local emphasized. Like they've, their opening theme music was by a uh, an artist. His name is Dylan Hewling. So that United for mm-hmm. the Win track they play before every match. Um, that really was like a cool thing because, you know, no matter what time I got to the stadium, right when I heard like that song coming on, it was like just this cool feeling. You know, like all right, cool, gotta get to my chair because the game's about to start. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they definitely have been doing it up pretty good with local. Um, so then I thought what I would do tonight is, like, kind of use this episode as kind of like a primer for preseason, you know, uh, for mainly for maybe those people that are hearing us for the first time or at least maybe 
didn't really focus in much on like the terminology with soccer because you know there is some out there that's like specific to soccer or football as you as it would be called in, in the world um and so i thought i would use this as more like a primer right mm-hmm. um but before like i jump into like these terms there are ones i thought about um do you guys get caught up with like calling it a match versus a game uh, yeah, ever since we got the team, I'm like, oh, it's match day, or I don't call it a field anymore, it's the pitch. Right. Yeah. Definitely, yes, because me being involved in soccer and running as you know, a women's team, we say game day. We have a game, and we have a game, so it was, you know, hard to get used to it. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, that, you know, for the most part, you could say either one. You know, I mean, like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, man, it's a match or it's a game. I mean, there are other people that are, like, very particular to it. I mean, I did teach myself match, like, so long. And then when I say game, it seems odd. Sometimes I stop on it and correct myself. Or other times I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know what I meant. You know what I mean? And I just kind of, like, brush it off. But, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, jersey versus kit. Like, that definitely took me a minute to get used to mm-hmm. because every time I think of, like, a top, it's a jersey. Absolutely. You know? But they call it a kit. Yeah. And so, I mean, so I think there's a lot of those terms. Like, if you're new to soccer this year, obviously you're going to hear all these different terms. And, you know, maybe someone will correct you. Maybe other people will just kind of, like, chuckle or laugh because they'll realize that you're kind of green to the sport. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, everyone's united. So no one's, like, too worried if you if you call it a match or a game. But they're just those terms. Uh, so I wanted to jump in. So... Again, I kind of alluded to it, like, uh, you know, so the USL. So, you know, some people have asked, like, what the USL is. You know, is it, like, a minor league to, like, the Major League Soccer? And, you know, and, and really, like, it's not officially a minor league to MLS. I mean, it's definitely independent of it. Um, it's the second division of American soccer uh, whereas the third division is currently split between United Soccer League, League One, and also NISA. Um, and and then it just goes down from there. And so for the most part, uh, United Soccer League is like its own, uh, its own league. And it's got different aspects within it. They've got teams that are independent teams that are affiliated and teams uh, that are like two teams and so I just kind of wanted to break it down so independent teams are like teams that are not uh, currently owned by a parent company so New Mexico United is an independent team okay Um, there are several other teams that are in the league that are also independent in that same regard and then when it comes to affiliated teams those are teams that uh, they have some affiliation or partnership with uh, either a major league soccer team. Sometimes it goes the other way where they have aff- uh, affiliations with a lower league team. And so the big part of their partnership at times is going to be loaning players back and forth uh, with each other. And then last is the, the two team. Um, and that's kind of like your team that's more of like a developmental team. Uh, for the most part, we're seeing that with Major League Soccer having developmental teams that are in uh, the USL uh, Championship Division, which the New Mexico United is in. So, for instance, LA Galaxy has a 
two team called Los Dos. That's kind of their nickname. Mm-hmm. And so they're in the USL Championship Division. Um, and so there's a number of teams like that. You'll see uh, Bethlehem still on the East Coast. They're now called Philadelphia Union 2. So they have dropped back to a two team. Um, and I believe... Uh, oh, the Timbers. Portland Timbers 2. And is I think that's it. Yeah. Yep. And there, there, I think there might be... I think it's Sporting Kansas City. That, yes, that one. That yeah. one. Yeah, so the there's, one. So there's a Sporting Kansas City 2. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely those two teams. Uh, where that's interesting really is when it comes to your your team, New Mexico United, playing one of these two teams, and all of a sudden they decide to send down a bunch of their players from the first team that aren't getting any minutes. Um, then they'll send them down to the two team, and then on match day you'll have this brand new squad that your team is playing against that you know for the most part it's it's the talent is probably the same across the field there might be some standout players that are trying to vie for major league soccer minutes mm-hmm. so they're obviously using this time to really shine and and, and we saw that a little bit with Portland Timbers too and some of their players that, and uh, RGV Toros right. since they're affiliated with Houston Dynamo right yep exactly and so so you have that kind of going on. Now, the other thing that is kind of interesting is contracts, transfers, and loans. So the thing with contracts in the USL Championship is they really don't have to disclose a lot of the details of the contracts. And for the most part, we're all assuming that the contracts are one year with an option. Um, and the option can either be the club or the players, as what we're understanding, if the option is the clubs, the clubs can basically exercise the option and say, hey, we'd like you back. And so at that point, then if the player accepts it or those terms, then they can agree to a new contract. Uh, if it's the players and the player can you know, option either want to stay or they're able to just kind of opt to say, no, I, I'm going to just you know, look somewhere else. So we have seen a little bit of that going on. We've seen some contracts that are... They are just one year in nature. Um, we're also seeing some that are multi-year. Um, one that comes to mind for Phoenix Rising, Asante, um, uh, Solomon Asante, we know that his was a multi-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a number of other ones that are that same way. Um, so they don't really have to disclose the terms again. And you, know, you can kind of assume, we've looked at other sources like Transfer Market to get an idea of like what their market value is, um, or we've also looked at that to understand whether they, you know, whether a fee was paid for them or whether it was like a free like transfer as well. So kind of getting into a transfer, uh, transfers are basically, uh, it's basically movements of players like to, to and from teams. And that's basically what it is. Instead of a trade, they call it a transfer and transfers are basically how they go about buying and selling players. Um, and, and, and the way that transfers typically work is they work within a transfer window. So that's kind of another terminology. Um, in some instances, there are transfer fees. And from, from reading up on it a little bit, transfer fees typically are ways for like the player and their agent to kind of split a little bit. Of, of the money. Um, typically it deals with what other player rights there are. So um, 
in some instances, I've seen clubs pay like a pretty high transfer fee because a player was still under contract um, or, uh, you know, just the, the value of the contract itself. In other instances, they've been free. There hasn't been a transfer fee, so they're able to just acquire that player without really having to, to pay. So, like Santi going to Phoenix Rising, so that was a free transfer. Right, so that was a free transfer, exactly, because he was out of contract, you know, so they didn't have to necessarily try to negotiate a transfer fee. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if someone was, if it was the end of the year, but they were still under contract, if they really wanted them, then they could, you know, obviously uh, pay that transfer fee. Um, so then going into like loans. So then loans are basically like another way of a transfer. Um, basically it allows players to switch teams temporarily uh, through the season. In some instances, they'll do loans where they can like loan player for player uh, to squads. And other times it's like just a straight loan and the team is basically who receives the player is paying the player's contract for the year. So like a good example of that recently is uh, Romeo Parks. So we got Romeo Parks from Sligo Rovers from Ireland, League of Ireland. And, um, you know, because we learned that ultimately he had, he had some issues or complications with his work visa, um, he ultimately, you know, couldn't, he had to stay in the U.S. this year. So, you know, I don't really know <clears throat> how things went about, but New Mexico United was ultimately at the right place at the right time. So they pick up uh, Parks' contract for this year. You know, so he's on loan to us. He's not ours. And Sligo Rovers still have the option that they can exercise next year for 2021. So they can decide, you know, hey, we still want you to play another year. You know, and then they can go from there and negotiate terms. Or they can decide, hey, you know what, maybe we have found what we're looking for in this time that we don't have you, right? Mm-hmm. And they could decide to maybe, you know, sell their options, you know? So, I mean, there's different ways to go about it. Um, but, you know, just, I guess that's just something kind of to think about is like, you know, through the off season, there were a lot of transfers, right? Ins and outs for every team. Um, we kind of recap the transfers for New Mexico United, uh, just to catch everyone up by now, if you don't already know, or maybe, you're again, you're coming into this fresh and you've kind of heard the logic of what a transfer is. So, so we had 13 players originally, right? 13 players originally that the option was exercised. And ultimately, the option was that they wanted the player back. So... Devin Sandoval, Josh Suggs, Justin Smith, Cody Mizell, Ben Beery, Rashid Tete, Austin Yearwood, Juan Pablo Guzman, Sam Hamilton, Salim Muhammad, Ryan Williams, Chris Weehan, and David Estrada all had their option exercised. Okay? So then we moved into this part where we had players that they said were, quote-unquote, on the fence. Right? So these are players that... You know, obviously their contract had ended, you know, but the club was certainly interested in them coming back. So they had their time to think. So Daniel Bruce, Manny Padilla, they ultimately re-signed uh, with the club, you know. But there was a period where they obviously 
you weren't really sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember, they... It took some time. They took some time, right? Um, they announced Bruce's return on a radio station, but then for Manny, how did they announce his return? Oh, it was a really cringy way of doing it. They did the whole, like, the real Slim Shady stand-up, but it was a video with kids. Uh, where was it? Um, Dick Sporting Goods? Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting because it was like they were all rocking these little stashes, like little mustaches. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they all jump up and then he pops out of nowhere. And and I, I don't know, I can't stop but seeing like that... Uh, it was like Bert and Ernie. Like I, he's like Bert. Like he's like a tall, linky kind of dude. You know, he's got this crazy like stash that I don't know, man. Like he's got some good hair follicle genes or whatever. But because he <laughs> seems to go between having this full stash to like to no stash, right? And uh, and 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 so that's kind of cool, you know. And that's that was his thing with the club. Uh, but looking at it, so then we had obviously had players that transferred out of the club. Um, that was Tony Soler, Ethan Sampson, uh, Kenny Akamatsu, T- Tommy Madden. So all of those players were out of contracts, you know, and ultimately, you know, I, I think with those players, they didn't really get a lot of time, um, you know, playing time, that being. And mm-hmm. they were kind of rarely in the 18, or if they were, they weren't necessarily subs that the team often used. Yeah, and uh, with some of those players, it, some of them were interesting to see to let go. Like Tony Soler, he, when he was on the pitch, he did a good job against Cardiff. I uh, rewatched that game, and he did an amazing job in the midfield. And so it was kind of surprising of me to see uh, Tony let go. And the others, I mean, it really kind of was. Ex- I kind of was expecting it from them since. Uh, they had some good games, but they didn't really see the minutes that um, the fans wanted to see. Yeah, I definitely like was kind of bummed that that Tommy Madden was let go. Like I, that was like one of the first like like I got my kit with like his number twenty three yeah. on the back, and I was like, you know, what, let me give the rookie a little love here. I thought the twenty three was dope, and it was cool because he graduated from uh, University of North Carolina. So I thought, okay. Maybe this guy's game will be elevated like Jordan a little bit too, you know. And and, and I, I do remember during the season like several times of kind of being like, man, all right, you're going to get your first goal, you're going to get your first goal. And, uh, I mean, I think the closest he got to getting his first goal was that Cardiff City match where he had this like direct shot, but it was like right on post. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's just those things, you know. Like, so, I mean, Madden transferred out. So, to me, that was like one of my players that I was like, okay, like this guy's going to totally – turn up you know but as of right now he hasn't signed with anyone yeah no anything from anybody right right i was also expecting tony to stay a little bit longer um i watched salt lake again salt lake 5-1 it was a a local match and when i i paid attention to him more than i guess i have been throughout the season and i said wow like we missed out because he he did really good I remember that game. I rewatched that game, and I, and I, confirmed that he was, that was probably one of his best. And I wish he he could have gotten a lot more minutes. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I do remember times where I'm like, "Where's Solaire? Like, he's not in this lineup," you know. And and I remember when I was in Los Angeles watching the Galaxy play or Galaxy Two play, um, New Mexico, like 
he wasn't in that one either. And that match, like, they had that 1-1 draw. And I just remember, like, watching, like, as the players walk by. And, like, they all have different body language, you know. Some were like, all right, well, not too bad. Like, we, you know, we pulled a point. And other guys were like, oh, man, like, you know, like, like this this isn't good, you know. And, yeah. You know, and, and you, you get the idea that, like, that whatever their fate awaits, right, because they all got to walk to the locker room. And Troy is usually, like, last to walk to the locker room. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he does kind of his thing, like, he'll... Like, in that instance, like, I interviewed him, right? And mm-hmm. then, of course, then he went to the locker room. So, you know, I don't know what it's like for them because we never really get to see, like, a true, like, representation of the locker room other than, you know, when the cameras are in there. But I don't know if he's just kind of, like, if he kind of goes off a little bit initially. I he does. Yeah? A little bit. Yeah, yeah see? So, and I, 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 that's what I wonder, too, is, like, you know what what that looks like after it matches um but i never really got to see we didn't really get to see much of akamatsu like you know no. he he had some moments where i think he really shined mm-hmm. you know but i think that he kind of i felt like he was so focused on distributing the ball and kind of creating chances but he never really got his own yeah and um when i noticed him i think it was against the timbers when we tied to them 3-3 in the very last second of the game, I was watching him on that on that wing, and he has the speed, but I could tell he was nervous, and whenever the ball would come at his feet, it looked like he wanted to take the initiative and just dribble through, but if he saw somebody open, he just let it go. And I feel for him, he still has a lot of improvement, and when he gets... To, to work, I'm pretty sure we're going to see more of him here in, in the future because he really does have that potential and skill. Now, he did get his first goal of the season through that Cardiff City yes. match. And he was, like, super stoked. I remember watching that from, like, the press row, and he got that, and he just jumped, like, to the high heavens. You was know. that a 1-1? One, one, one? That was, was that. Draw? Yeah, the Cardiff City. It was like. So he scored the only goal then. He scored the only goal. So there you go. He, right. If he was capable of. Against a a, a highly coveted exactly um, English Premier team, they were in the EPL, and then by the time we got them, they were relegated to the EFL. Yeah. But still, I mean, like the talent across the seas is definitely. I mean, it's not like to be taken lightly. I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we had Ethan Sampson, right? You know, now, I, I didn't really get to talk to him too much. He did seem kind of quiet at times, but, like, you know, I mean, kind of looking at him after the fact, like, looking at some of his, like, social media and looking at, you know, some of his profiles, was, I guess, like, Ethan was, like, a really solid defensive player. Um, we definitely did get to see, like, you know, instances of that on yeah. the pitch. Yeah, we did. Um, I think the only thing for me, if I could be honest, is, like, I, th- I think sometimes the pace that he had wasn't equally matched to who he was playing on. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, too. Because, um, I would I would watch him when he was on the, the side of the supporters on the, the right side. And I would notice that when he would go up against the player, he... I don't know if it was just me, but he was flat-footed. And I feel like that's what kind of cut some of the speed that he needed to catch up to... Um, the opposing team, and I just noticed that he was flat-footed, and that's that's why I was like, maybe he shouldn't 
be there, but he, like I said, there's always improvement. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And then I think the heartbreaker of the offseason, right, like if we can all be like 100% accurate here, is like Santi. So Santi Moore, obviously, you know, our, our player from Spain, you know, very charismatic, you know, in the very beginning of the season he was, you know, just putting goals away. You know, obviously he had that, he had his own little way about it. He'd come up the left channel and then kind of dribble into the box, and he would just find an opening in the, in behind the net. Um, it was like, for me, when I first saw it, it I first thing I saw was Phoenix's um, one of their like one of their front office associates. It was on Twitter. Mm-hmm. His name's Sam Dor, and uh, he's like, "Oh man, Phoenix fans, you're gonna be so stoked tomorrow." He's like. He's like, it's gonna break the internet, and I thought, oh no, like it's gonna either be, uh, it's gonna be Santi Moore, or it's gonna be Kevin Von Fredo, it's gonna be Fredo. someone, right? Yeah. And but I, but I mean, it could have been anyone. Like it could have been anyone teams, anyone's teams players. But it, it's just the way they built it up, saying it's gonna be so controversial that I thought, dude, what if? And uh, and one of our writers, uh, Josh Kaskin, and he actually kind of kind of made the prediction. He was like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Santi Moore, and I was like, no way, dude. So then all of a sudden, what happens is um, I see on Twitter, like the next day, that it's Santi Moore. And I'm like, oh, no way. I saw it from you the first time. Right. And so then I was like, screenshot. So then I went to Facebook and I was like, bam, he signed with Phoenix. Yeah. And I remember that day perfectly. I was at work and... um, I can't be on my phone, and then, like, my phone started vibrating out of nowhere like crazy, and I'm like, well, what is going on? And I take a peek, and it's, like, nothing but pictures of being sent to me, like, Santi's in Phoenix, Santi's in Phoenix, and I was like, what? And, like, a bit, like, other fans, I, I felt a little betrayed. That's our rival right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that was broke by Seek and Strike, but, like, we broke that, and it was the craziest thing, because I was like, I, that, saw it. I that, saw you first. <laughs> that stuff does not happen. Like, you just you just got to be on the internet trolling other teams. But, like, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, no way. This is crazy. And then I was interested to see how the New Mexico United Facebook Nation would take this. Because the Facebook Nation is very vocal, as we know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when the team wins, everyone's, like, stoked. And when the team loses, everyone's not stoked. And when the team draws... You got the people in there that are like, hey, it's a point. You know, it's like a participation thing, and everyone's happy that everyone got a point. You know, There's always the ones that see the glass half empty or half full. Right. I was the one to, yes, I felt a little sad, but I was happy because just like every other job, every other profession, we got to be happy for people moving up in the world. I felt like... You know, opportunities are coming to these guys because they worked really hard and they put our state out there and they were being watched. So I saw the positive. Like, okay, they were looking at our guys. They were looking the whole season. They were, uh, you know, focused on who they can take from us. And, of course, you know, him being one of the, you know, fastest and great-skilled guys that were going to take him. So I saw the positive, but then I was also hurt low-key. I was... I was kind of hurt. I said, why, Santi? But then I was like, but then I didn't want anybody else to go to Phoenix. They can go anywhere else. But just Phoenix, I think, is what did it. But I was very, uh, I was happy for him because, you know, everyone wants to move up. Everyone is looking for opportunity. 
So I saw that. I was like, well, he earned it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I thought, okay, you know, if we're going to lose a player in the offseason, because it's, you know, the possibility of bringing every single person back, I mean, I just couldn't imagine that because yeah. how, does a, how does the team get better, right? They have mm-hmm. to eventually cut some yeah, losses and, and add some players. I thought, okay, you know what? Like, these players could go anywhere in the USL, just not Phoenix and not El Paso. That's that's just the truth. That's the way I thought about it. And I was just like, because I don't know what we're going to do when that happens. And then all of a sudden, bang, that happened. I was like, all right, well, and, you know, and, and the responses are interesting. I mean, people are like, hey, we love you off the field, but on the field, you're dead to us. You know, yeah. and, you know like, we're going to boo you off the field, and we'll give you that ovation. Like, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. I mean, but one thing's for certain, like, you just cannot be cheering this guy if he scores on this. There's just no way. Like, there's just yeah, no way. Yeah, definitely You not. know what I mean? Like, he... People are going to definitely not be happy if he scores against us. But yeah. here's something else to think about, though, is that he was with other clubs before us. And I'm sure they had felt that loss, too, right? Because, I mean, he was with uh, Bethlehem Steel, right? Yes. So, I mean, he comes to us from them. And, you know, he was originally super drafted by the Union. So, I mean, of course, you know, he's down at Steel developing, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, and he's with them for two years. So nothing really transpires with him going to the first team. So he's probably like, okay, well, I'm willing to see what else is out there. Mm-hmm. So then he comes to us. You know, and, of course, their fans have nothing to worry about because we're not direct rivals with them. They're on the East Coast. Yeah. Right. But now we've had this guy... You know, we have seen him. Uh, did he, he got a hat trick, right? Yes, he did. Uh, when was it? Uh, against Austin Bolt, it was an away game. Right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. They didn't want to call it that because no, because supposedly it was an own goal, even though the ball just like went like just past the guy, and I was like, you know what, whatever. But he did get a hat trick at home against the Real Monarchs. Right. And so. So, I mean, we obviously, but now we're facing the brunt of it because we lost him to a rival. And so that, to me, is going to be an interesting match to see uh, mm-hmm. Santi. Now, they did just have a friendly with FC Cincinnati. They lost. They lost 3 nil. Yeah. And I didn't get to look too close to see, like, who got minutes. And I don't think the MLS site that I looked at really showed me lineups or showed me you know, exactly who played, how long they played. Yeah, I was looking at Phoenix Rising Instagram. I'll, like, go over there once in a while to see what they're up to. And it seems like Santi did get minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, and that's the thing is, like, with that is that um, all the headlines I wrote or I read were, like, Phoenix was easy or, like, you know, FC Cincinnati, like, just put them away. Like, you know, and that's crazy because, I mean, you know, I think that some of their fans kind of went into that going, oh, it's FC Cincinnati is the worst MLS team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they got to remember, like, before they left for the MLS, they were, like, one of the better, like, USL teams. Yeah. I mean, they were, in the cha- they were in the cup championship a couple times. So, I mean, you know, definitely that, to me, was major. You know, I feel bad for those people who got the 11s on the back of their kit. Uh, oh, is that you? <laughs> that's one. Oh. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know who's wearing eleven this season. I don't. Maybe, maybe your kit is like in a. Maybe you can like frame it because you don't have to worry about it being like you know violated by another eleven or something. But <laughs> I'm wearing fifteen this season, so he better not <laughs> go anywhere. Right? Yeah, and so At least I mean, not Phoenix. 
Right, and hey, like, you know, I did see Romero, Par- Par- Romeo Parks is wearing 27, so, you know, if you're thinking about a number to get on your on the back of your kit, I, I think that he's probably not going to, you're not going to have to worry about him going to Phoenix, so you probably could wear a 27, and maybe he'll just go back to Ireland if he doesn't stay. So maybe that's a safe number if you're trying to get, like, a, luck, <laughs> a, lucky, a lucky number on your kit this year. Um, so then let's kind of jump into signings then, um, the latest signings. So um, the latest, latest signing we've had um, is David Najem. Yes, from the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Right, yeah. So he came from Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, they, they have him slated as an Afghanistan or an Afghan, Afghan national player. Yes. Um, so he played for the Rowdies. He also played for Red Bulls too. Um, when I did some reading on him, it he originally was in the New York Red Bulls Academy. So, you know, obviously, he was getting that development um, to one day be able to play first team. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it does say on there that he uh, played lower division uh, soccer in Germany. He played for an FC uh, Eintracht Bamberg, or Bamberg, however you say that. Um now I did get I did get to kind of talk to Troy today at the at the media hour, and I was asking him specifically. I was asking him about um, how he has put a little work into that right back position, and you know, and I asked him like, did he feel that he needed to add something there because maybe it was an entry point for goals last year, mm-hmm. and he didn't necessarily allude to that, but he just thought that um, you know from the time that he had seen David that he just thought that like you know he was just a really good um, asset to have in the back as far as like someone who can play right back or someone who can even move around um, and so he he ultimately in the in the name of competition has added this player to the team um, of course the other part of that question was you know left center back he had Kalen Ryden and we'll talk about him a little bit on the next episode we'll kind of break him down a little bit but um, just basically you know Troy is all about shaking things up, and he's looking for the most competition with his players. Um, so really, uh, it sounds like he's really excited about David Najem. Uh, be, obviously, it's Saturday when they play their friendly, it'll be interesting to see uh, ultimately uh, how he fits back there. But again, that's time between him and Manny. So yeah. we'll really get to see, you know, which 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 right back is is premier and you know or maybe they both are maybe they both just got split time but yeah you know it's definitely going to be a good competition back there yeah definitely I think it will be and I hear that the guys are catching up and they are working really really hard on their on their training yeah because they've been training for about a week now mm-hmm. um you know so like the biggest thing is we have to understand is that it's only been a week. They got new players coming in that don't have the chemistry with the rest of the team, right? So, like, in most cases with new teams, it seems like you can't like you can't have that like you know one for yourself mentality. It's got to be team oriented. So, the players that are coming in, they're gonna have to learn the way things go first before you know they ultimately you know find their own ways to to shine. I imagine you know. Um, so then the next signing before that was uh, Sammy Sergi. Mm-hmm. So you, so his, his last name is pronounced Sergi. Um, so he comes from Xavier University. Um, 
He was ranked top 50 in the top drawer soccer. Is he the rookie? He's the rookie this he year. He's the rookie this year. He's the only rookie this year. Yes. Um, and I asked Troy today as well. I was like, well, how does he fare differently from the other rookies from the last, from the first team? You know, and, and he, 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 Troy said that, that all the rookies in their own right were good, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he really liked this guy. He liked what he brought to the table. Um, thinks that ultimately he's got the right sort of character, and he's got, you know, he, he's proven. You know, I mean, obviously he scores twenty two goals in his career through Xavier, so he's like just outside the top ten all time for them. Um, you know, and he brings height, right? He's a, yeah. he's a and he's a number nine, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean. Just ultimately, and he was well, the thing that Troy said is like we didn't have a rookie at a nine last year, so that is true. that's a good point to make. Um, it'll be interesting to see him as well. Um, and then, of course, before that, we had Philip Beigel, and so Philip is a goalkeeper, he's a German national. Um, he was an unpaid member of the practice team last year, he was around a lot, we saw him. Um, he definitely signed some autographs, which I always thought was interesting because we would hear rumblings about a third goalkeeper. Then we would hear about... But we didn't know who I was or what he was doing there. Right, or like, the, you know, maybe there were some, maybe issues with visas or, you know, recruitment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately he couldn't, um, you know, sign. And he his big thing is he played a lot of soccer in Germany. Uh, for the most part, uh, I think I saw something come out today in the club that he played 130 games in Germany before he came to the States. He came to the States for a pro soccer combine um, in 2018, and he really looked good in front of uh, the personnel there, so they recommended him to Fresno FC. Um, and so they gave him a trial, but ultimately nothing really panned from it. Mm-hmm. And so then he went back uh, to Germany. He came out again. And tried did a trial for New Mexico United. They liked him, but of course, like again, they were trying to figure out how to work it out. Um, so, if anything, can be really taken from this from this is that obviously it seems like Troy is like a man of his word because you know obviously something had to be said like hey we would like to give you guys a try but we need to figure this out and so here we are he's like now officially a member of the squad, right? Yeah, and then when I was seeing him practice there on. Uh before uh, matches, um, he did seem pretty good. He was pretty decent in all the drills he did. And when the guys would shoot um, target, he uh, sometimes would go in there, but then he would like give it to Ben or Cody so they can warm up. But for the most part, what I saw, he he's a pretty good goalkeeper. Now, I did ask Troy today as well, um, your question, Alicia, uh, if like he would play all three goalkeepers uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. And he said he wasn't sure yet about goalkeeper minutes so whether or not we get to see him or we see Barry um, you know of course we I we think we can kind of assume that we're going to see Cody yeah um, but whether we get to see all three I guess that's going to be kind of a match day decision really mm-hmm. um, so so along the lines of like signings and we'll we'll definitely jump into some more of the other signings on the next episode but I did want to Definitely kind of throw this one in here today because it just happened today. Um, They announced a couple of new coaches. Now, of course, this came at the same time of finding out that 
uh, the director of goalkeeping and the first assistant coach, uh, Mike Grazik, uh, would be departing the team. Um, now, I did get to kind of hit up Mike and try to figure out, like, okay, well, is he going somewhere else? Is he unretiring? Which is probably, he's probably laughing when he hears that. But um, and it sounds like he's got maybe another opportunity coming on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really get into that. So I imagine there's probably an announcement soon eventually with that. But he did say that he definitely enjoyed his experience with New Mexico United and it was a great first year. Um, and so that's cool that, like, you know, everything is amicable uh, with them. But now then what comes the interesting news. So then Zach Prince, who was the director of the high performance program, uh, gets promoted from second assistant coach to first assistant coach. So that's the first transition. So half of Mike's, you know, former job is going to Zach, right? So obviously mm-hmm. Zach does well. Um, the other thing that was interesting is that the director of goalkeeping, uh, that particular position would be given to this new gentleman. His name's Peter Davis. Mm-hmm. So Peter Davis, um, you know, he's a goalkeeping coach. Um, he has like 10 years of experience between collegiate and youth. Uh, his latest claim uh, to fame, if you will, uh, is he was a volunteer goalkeeping coach at University of Central Florida in which uh, he basically brought this player into more of a, a all-American kind of status. Uh, I was... I did. I had released something earlier today, and what he had did was. Sorry, I'm just trying to find it here. Um, so he he basically brought this player, uh, a Yannick Oedel, I think it is pronounced. I'm not sure, uh, but he ultimately worked with this this player and had a and helped him become the American Athletic Conference goalkeeper of the year. Sorry, it was a lot of trying to find that really quick, but uh, so in kind of looking a little bit at Peter Davis's Twitter, um, he has a lot of instructional posts, a lot of uh, coaching posts on the proper stance for uh, for goalkeepers as well as the depth and it and it's actually very informal so uh, I think if you want to get more insight about who Peter Davis is because I don't think he's been interviewed just yet um, you can kind of really glean a lot from his Twitter and that's definitely what what I did so then in addition to, to that uh, with, with Peter Davis comes Gavin Glitton now Gavin Glinton, uh, he is going to be the second assistant coach and as well as going to be the assistant director of the high-performance program. Uh, one of the things that I notice is, like, so Glinton has obviously a good spell of coaching experience, and so that is ultimately why he was brought in. But, you know, we like to go a little deeper here so you can strike and kind of get to know who, who our coaches are. Uh, so Gavin Glinton actually played uh, a year with Troy at Charleston Battery in 2006. Um, so they were teammates. And and so to me, that was definitely very interesting to, to learn that Troy was bringing in someone whom he had obviously knows his, his player profile, if you will, but also someone that he was ultimately friends with and kind of watched, you know, 
his career, and so he's bringing them in to ultimately kind of help out. And I think it's fitting that if you have new players that you got to bring in some new coaching. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely, because if you keep the same coaches, it's kind of hard to like get in with the system with the team and um, trying to adapt to the new players because you don't really know how their personalities are or how they are with uh, – building a relationship with the rest of the teammates. With bringing in new people, um, I feel like it adds more to bringing in new players. Um, You get to know each other and you start building off of the chemistry that was previously there. And I think that it just brings new ideas from outside, from other teams, from their experience. There's a lot they can add to what we already have. So. uh, you know, it's f- fresh minds, if you will, is, you know, all new, bringing it from a different perspective, maybe opinions and, you know, it'll help too um, with the new players. They're also adjusting so they can grow together. So I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a great idea and it's going to add more. Yeah, the other thing I was going to mention real quick too is that Peter Davis uh, is from South Carolina too, so... I think it's really interesting to see how Troy is like bringing in like like bringing in like people from like his network. I mean, he's bringing in like East Coast people, like East Coast soccer people, mm-hmm. into a a more Western conference situation. So, I think that that's what's interesting, especially if you look at like Parks, for instance, coming from Pittsburgh. So, you know, we're gonna have a very interesting, diverse team because we're gonna have kind of an East Coast playing team sitting in the Western Conference. I, I feel like that's maybe where he's going, maybe that's not. But um, So then, kind of getting into some of the latest news then with the team as well. Uh, the latest, latest news is that, uh, that they've got a good uh, census from voters that people want a downtown sports and cultural center. They want like a, a soccer-specific stadium for New Mexico United. So like 68% of like men and women that made up this voter demographic um, ultimately wanted it. Uh, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts about about the showing of of popular opinion as far as voters wanting the stadium? Given, given the fact that, uh, you know, we saw weeks before people going on there talking about how they didn't want a stadium because it promotes crime and violence and such. So I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts? Hearing from the fans saying, like, we need our own stadium, we need our own stadium, we do. Um, it kind of sucks that we can't uh, host Open Cup matches here because we don't have our own stadium. Um, bringing in teams from, like, Liga Mekis for friendlies, we don't have our own stadium, so we can't really host that here because apparently nobody wants to play on a baseball field. And then we go to the UNM complex, it's... Uh, it's really small and with all of our fans like we can't fit really a bunch of people in there and having our own stadium really opens up the idea of hosting more friendlies uh, doing more uh, with the state like having Albuquerque FC play there or um, I we don't have uh, Albuquerque Soul anymore do we? No, no the Soul yeah. is gone now it'll be the New Mexican yeah. added uh, U23. Yeah, see the U23 can play there or the from the high performance program maybe they just want to do a scrimmage to see uh, for scouts to look out for them. They can play there too. 
and definitely is a good idea. I mean, ultimately we play in a baseball pitch. And look at the problems we had before with the, you know, fixing the pitch and grass, you know, coming out and players trying to put the grass together. And it was just, uh, it interferes, you know, it's... Um, it's very it's a hustle for for them to play like that um also you know our only soccer complex doesn't fit like alicia said um you know the thousands of people that have been showing up and i think this year it'll probably be better and bigger because towards the end of the matches people were getting more into and more into it so now we have you know bigger crowds and this small soccer complex is not going to cut it and just playing on a baseball pitch. And then the baseball pitch is bringing new ideas, you know, to to add to their stadium. And how can we say, no, we don't like this, but ultimately it's their stadium. It was meant to play baseball. So, you know, it's like, it's nice. We have a pitch to play soccer and to go uh, cheer. But ultimately, they're going to do what they're going to do. And they're not going to care, you know, what the soccer fans think because that was not initially what it was made for that's just my opinion i think that we need to separate the two yeah and i mean along the lines of, i mean one of the things you're like kind of alluding to is like the fact that the major league baseball has recommended strongly recommended um that uh the stadiums have uh netting and they have netting from dugout to dugout mm-hmm. uh, and so you know that obviously you know has become a a new issue amongst the fans because you know no one wants to imagine watching soccer through netting um let alone i mean you know the fact that it kind of cuts off player interaction or fan interaction with players mm-hmm. um you know it obviously would limit what the curse would be able to do the couple would have to stay in the stands i mean they would probably be able to do smoke bombs as effectively as they could um so really like I got to thinking about it because, you know, right now, of course, the curse and a lot of, a lot of the curse went to, um, they went to City Hall the other day, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but they ultimately went and they went there to uh, speak during the general comments and they spoke and kind of expressed why they thought the city needed to rethink the netting. And they're not saying that they don't want the netting. They understand for baseball, it makes sense. It's it's safe for that. Yeah, it's um, a hazard. Right. They're just saying, like, hey, let's look into retractable netting, something that could be taken down or slid back, um, you know. Just like the pitch. Right. In between, <laughs> you know, uh, sporting events between soccer and baseball. You know, obviously, the team is willing to play, uh, pay uh, whatever, f- whatever fee or amount they need to to mm-hmm. make this happen. And so now the city is looking into it. You know, due to a good showing, and of course, you know, the curse and, and and is really urging people to, you know, stay on with the city as far as, you know, we need these retractable nets, and uh, you know, so I think there will be another uh, meetup to go downtown again in a couple of weeks, uh, but ultimately, I thought about this today. I was like, you know, well, uh, all USL teams have to be out of this baseball stadium. They have to be in their own stadium by three years. So, realistically, like, we're going into year two, and year three will be next year, and, I mean, the team is pretty much going to play at Isotopes next year as well. Um, so, we could do a whole lot about having it be retractable for this year and next year, um, 
and then say get into our own stadium and then I wonder what the cost would be to like the isotopes if they eventually do decide okay well we're now going to take this retractable netting thing and, and turn it into permanent netting you know but I would think again because they do other things at isotopes they do hold religious services there they do hold you know other concerts there mm-hmm. the retractable netting is going to be beneficial for them you as know well. in the long run so and there was some voting online as well there was it, it was going around and if you click you know on the link it'll take you to the voting so they were, they were very active on that so hopefully it, you know it works out for both right so i mean and and reading up on it obviously the center will have art hanging too you know it's you know new mexico is really big for like culture and art and you know different things of the nature so it's going to be multi-use they'll have concerts there as well so definitely interested to see that i'm glad that it sounds like it's going to be downtown and not like far on the west side or something crazy like that um so that's kind of good and then of course some of the other news that we've had lately is uh puma right so Mm -hmm. Uh, so the new kit sponsor for United is going to be Puma. And so, you know, they currently also sponsor Manchester City, if you watch English Premier, or uh, Dortmund, Borussia um, as well. And so ultimately, the thing with Puma, what seems interesting about it is that uh, the kit designs may be a little bit more artistic. Uh, the club will be able to do different things with like the if they wanted to do shoes with the brand they could if they wanted to really design um you know different uh warm-up gear they could and i had got i had run into someone from the club i uh, won't say who but he had kind of mentioned that he thought when we see the kit we'll think we should pay a lot more for it than we're going to pay for it but he mentioned that it should be the same price point you know, as the previous one. But he just thought that when you see when it's done, you'll think that you should have paid, like, more. And I'm, and to me, say no more. Like, that sounds pretty exciting. I'm interested to I'm see. I'm excited. It. I heard it's fire, so I'm ready. Right. So the club, the club is going to reveal the Away Kit on February 29th at the Black and Yellow Bash. The Electric Playhouse. Yep, at the Electric Playhouse. So if you guys RSVP. I already did. Okay, okay. Don't miss out. <laughs> Um, you know, but, uh, we'll see it that night. I'm glad they're doing the away kit because mm-hmm. to me, like, I don't know about you, but the black one was fire. The black one was in this contest for best kit, but the white one was just kind of a white one. You know, like yeah. people bought it. They didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so then lastly, I kind of wanted to move us into some 2019 recaps. We won't spend a lot of time on these. I just wanted basically for our listeners to kind of start to kind of, I guess, um, if you're new, you get to kind of hear about these clubs, kind of hear how they did. If you're, if you've been with us for a minute, or at least you, you know, we're following the team, then this will just kind of help you kind of bring back your memory a little bit. Um, so Rio Grande Valley FC. Okay. So they're affiliated with Houston Dynamo, as Alicia had said earlier in this show. Uh, last year, they finished in 13th position. Um, they didn't make the playoffs. Um, and then New Mexico went uh, 0-0-2. So we had two draws with 
uh, RGV last year. They definitely were like the team that was really good on the road, and it was really hard to to walk away with three points on this team for us. But it seemed like they were definitely a team that could always pull at least up one point from mm-hmm. opponents. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, when we played them here at home, I felt like that was a game that we should have won. Um, and the end, if you look at it from a non-biased perspective and you kind of start comparing stats and the highlights of other games or the first game that we played against RGV, um, we were the better team and I just think that our mentality last year is that we tend to play down to teams and when we would get our rivals like we would be on fire with this like goals left and right and like shots everywhere and it's like why do we do that like we need to get out of that habit for this season i agree so then going into our next uh team uh we have san antonio fc now they're affiliated with uh, nycfc um they finished in 11th position so of course they didn't make the playoffs and we went uh, one one and zero against this team. Um, I think about when we played them in San Antonio. I was there in person for that match. It was humid. Um, I remember watching the total destruction of our team. It was like a five nil loss. Yeah. Um, you That's know, painful. they definitely did capitalize in uh, real deep angled shots on Cody. At least three goals were scored that way. Um, it definitely was during a part of the season where chance creation had been preached left and right during that part. So you really saw a lot of chance creation coming out of David Estrada. Uh, Josh Suggs was definitely an active part in that, that game. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Devin Sandoval and Chris Weehan definitely had some looks, but just nothing was going by um, that goalkeeper. Um, and that was the goalkeeper that had the bright yellow suit with the giant beard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> playing in their sandbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing playing in the in the AKA the sandbox. Um, so then of course we move on to El Paso Locomotive, right? And this El Paso was also an expansion team like us last year. Um, they finished in sixth position, um, and they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals and lost uh, to Real Monarchs two one. Mm-hmm. So. We went 1-0-1 against El Paso. Um, for the most part, like, the first time we played them, we were down each time in that game when we were in uh, Southwestern University Plaza, or, yeah, the swap. And so we were down each time. So it, it looks kind of like the second match would be fared evenly. I think El Paso thought that they would come into the lab and that they would either grab a win or or at least draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came in and uh, New Mexico beat them 3-0. And so that kind of just seemed like that kind of took care of that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the win on them, but of course they did go further than us in the off season. So I kind of feel like maybe like, you know, even though we got the upper hand on paper, that maybe, like, you know, they might have gotten the upper hand as far as, you know, legitimacy of a club, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. You know, aside from not liking them, um, they're they're a really great team. And Jerome Keysweater, he was, like, one of the best players on the team uh, um, next to Yuma, which he was the one that kind of caused that whole red card thing with in the first match. But they have the skill and they have the potential, and for being at their inaugural season, they did amazing. Right. 
So then last but not least, okay, so Colorado Switchbacks kind of jumped out of that Texas thing for a minute there. Uh, Colorado Switchbacks, they finished 18th, so dead last in the USL uh, West. Uh, of course, they didn't make playoffs. United went 3-0 against them across competitions, 2-0 in USL and 1-0 in uh, Open Cup, mm-hmm. uh, which all, you know, at least two of those matches were played in Colorado, so it was a lot of traveling if you went. Um, <laughs> they play at Widener Field, which is an interesting field because it sits east to west, so it's like, you know, so when the sun hits it, it's just like completely like, you know, like in your eyes the whole time. Um, so... They had an affiliation with the Rapids in 2018. Um, so I guess kind of taking this, like we're playing, New Mexico's playing uh, the Switchbacks this weekend, the Saturday, in, in a preseason friendly, the first one that we've heard of, right? Yes. So my question for you guys is, how would you rate the strength of this matchup with the Switchbacks? Um, I saw the switchbacks got rid of one of their best midfielders, Malcolm. And I don't know who they plan on filling in in that spot. But from what I've seen, I think they're going to be the same as last year. Like, not to be mean or anything. And with the signings that we've gotten, I feel like we're going to be strong in that. And I have a feeling we'll pull out a win this Saturday. Okay. I feel the same way. I feel like, uh, yeah, with all the new signings, it will be very interesting to see. Um, I'm just curious to know the lineup already. I want to know, are they going to be a lot of of the new ones all at once? Or is he going to give them minutes one by one? What's going to happen? But I do think that we get the win. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see like what it's going to look like because... They were like last place, right? And I, and the first thing I did think when they announced that was like I was like, okay, great, we're playing the last place team. Like, this is maybe not the strongest way to put your best foot forward out there because, you know, if we just go and basically kill this team, like, did we really prove much? But you know what I mean. So, it, or is it going to be a game where we beat ourselves and so we just can't put it in, but we got all these choices, all these chances? So. I'm really interested to see two things. I'm interested to see how the back line holds up. Mm-hmm. Is there is the ball even really back there? Does our midfield really do their job and just intercept anything and create the chances in the middle? I'm interested to see when we have balls up front that not only are the chances there, but that we execute as well. Because I think that you know our forwards kind of we kind of lost our forwards like last year, and I, I, I'm really interested to see you know if we can. How we can score, the ways we can score, you know, who can score, who's going to score. Like, you know, is it going to be our new guys? Is it going to be our old guys? But I have a feeling it's going to be our new guys. Like, I have a strong feeling that one or at least two goals is going to be by our new guy, Amando Moreno. Okay. And I, and I will tell you something, actually. I, I talked to Romero Parks today, and I, I said, and I was just kind of joking, but I said, I said, hey, like, you know, is did coach like kind of ban you from doing that backflip here? You know, you know, and he he just kind of like kind of like gave me this like, nah, that's my thing, dude. And he was just like, he's like, he's like, that's my trademark celebration. He's like, no one will, no one can keep me from doing that. That's like my thing. I take that from club to club. And it wasn't like I think that Troy would tell him not to, but you know, all these everyone had their concerns about it. But mm-hmm. I think it's really great that you got at least one player on the team. 
that's going to do a cartwheel into a backflip. And I can't wait to see that oh, multiple times this season. It's going to be cool. Hopefully it happens this Saturday. Right. So I guess we've, we've covered a lot of ground in this episode. So we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USO-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss an episode, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.